0: Welcome to today's edition of the Career 100 Podcast. This series is designed to introduce students to different career options that are in demand and share the path each practitioner has taken to arrive in their current position.
1: If someone tells you that you can't do something in your career, you can never listen to them. I've been told that a few times, that I couldn't get my license as young as I did. I couldn't become a partner in a firm as young as I did. Another person that I spoke to said you couldn't be an engineer because you weren't good in math. You can't listen to these people. It's nice to have advice from people once in a while, but if it's gonna be someone telling you you can't do it, you just have to pursue and persist and get through that, and you could pretty much achieve anything you want in your career.
2: Hello, this is Felicia Gopal of the Career 100 Podcast. This is episode 23. And I thank you for listening. Today we're going to be continuing our series on the Top 100 Careers. We're going to be talking about civil engineering. It's a professional engineering discipline that deals with the design, construction, and maintenance of physical and naturally built environment, including things like bridges, roads, canals, dams, building, as well as it takes place kind of in all facets of our lives, everything from the public sector, from municipal and cities and towns, as well as national governments, as well as you will also see a component of civil engineering going into being used by individual engineers and international companies. Employment of civil engineers is expected to grow about 19% between now and 2020, and while it's growing at a rate of about 19%. Today's guest is Anthony Fasano, who struggled early on in his engineering career, as many engineers do, just trying to figure out what he wanted to go into in the industry and how to get there. One day he realized that most successful engineers have both good technical skills as well as they had some dynamic, soft, and interpersonal skills. Though my being married to an engineer, I can tell you that sometimes that seems a little bit underdeveloped and we'll hear him talk about that. After realizing that, he started working on developing his own non-technical skills. Anthony went on to become a partner at a very reputable engineering firm at the age of 27. At that time, he decided his goal really was to help engineers develop their non-technical skills and become better-rounded and position themselves to achieve their career goals and dreams. He now focuses solely on helping engineers and engineering organizations grow and succeed. In addition to his coaching and speaking credentials, Anthony is also an author. He's the author of Engineer Your Own Success, Seven Key Elements to Create an Extraordinary Engineering Career. And he received his B.S. and M.S. degrees in civil engineering from Lafayette College and Columbia University, respectively. Anthony, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the call. Thanks,
1: Alicia. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: You know, when a lot of people think of engineering and their introduction to civil engineering in particular, it came out of the whole Hurricane Katrina and its effect on New Orleans but there's a lot more to being a civil engineer than just building and holding back water. Could you tell me a little bit more about some of the aspects and the, some of the things that civil engineers are involved in?
1: Sure. Civil engineers are pretty much involved with everything that you see, feel, and touch outdoors. I mean, with the exception of you know natural vegetation, we design roadways, we design bridges, buildings. We improve water quality. We design water systems and sanitary sewer systems. So basically, everything that's working outside, a civil engineer played some kind of role in. And ultimately, what I like to tell people is civil engineers really improve the lives of of civilization, and hence the name civil engineers, on a daily basis. So it's not just about, you know, designing a a bridge. It's about, you know, what that bridge is going to do for the community, you know, how it's going to, make someone's commute better. You know, we also do transportation. We, do, we, we study roads, make sure they're wide enough. Maybe we have to widen the road. Maybe there's too many cars traveling on that road. So there's a lot of different components of civil engineering. OK. So
2: tell me about how you became a civil engineer. Um, with a lot of the guests, it's often a class or a person that sparked their interest in their particular career. Um, how did you become a civil engineer?
1: Well, I think for me, it was really my father and my mother kind of... I I always liked math and the sciences, and my parents saw that, and they recommended to me that maybe I should consider engineering. So I started... When I was looking at colleges, I went to some different colleges, looked at their engineering schools, and kind of looked at some of the projects they worked on and read a little bit more about it. And I decided that, you know, engineering was the path that I was going to go into in school. And then as far as civil engineering goes... I really wanted to work outdoors, you know, I like to be outside, I like to go see things being built, and that's how I decided to pick specifically civil engineering.
2: Because it combines your interest in being outdoors as well as your interest in the aspects of engineering. Yep. Exactly. Perfect. You know, it's interesting because one of the things that I've been noticing as I've done this interview series is there's a number of guests who had an interest in math. And I have a young daughter who's 11, and she's got an interest in math. And it's interesting that you shared that your parents encouraged you to pursue the engineering because there's really a lot of things that you could do with math. If you're interested in math, you can go in mathematics, you can go into statistics, you can go into actuary, you can go into engineering. And I think that one of the reasons why I do this interview series is to introduce our youth to all the very different things that they can go into, not just one or two, but there's many, many different roads that you can take with the same skill set.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think one of the things that's very important for all the listeners to understand about engineering and the engineering college degree is that it's a very powerful and flexible degree in that With an engineering degree, you can pretty much do anything that you want to upon graduation. Maybe with the exception of you know being a doctor, where you'd have to go to law school. But even lawyers, I know many of lawyers who have engineering degrees. I know plenty of people that go into finance, stocks, investments. They're engineers. Their engineering background. I received offers from all different kinds of companies, and basically what they told me was, you know, listen, we love the fact that you have the engineering degree and the analytical background, and we can teach you everything else you need to know about our industry. And I think that that's important for students, prospective college students to know, because you know, if you go to school for business and then decide you want to be an engineer, you have to go back to school for four years. But if you go to school for engineering and decide you want to go into business, you can very easily get a business minor or something with the engineering degree if you'd like. So that's something that I think is important for everyone out there to understand. The engineering degree is not just about engineering, it's about becoming a, a problem solver, being able to think analytically and reason things out. So that's that's what you're getting there. You know, I, I think that that's a really powerful statement
2: that you just made because I think oftentimes students, especially at the beginning stages where they're really starting to think about and plot their career choice, don't quite understand how broad a particular degree and how many avenues that can really kind of take you and pivot you into. I think one of the things that has been really interesting to me about this particular series is I've um, had the opportunity to talk to a lot of people who've worked in a particular field and then done something else with. With it that kind of addresses or speaks to a need that they see for that particular career field. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting about looking at your site and what you're up to is you've taken basically your knowledge of civil engineering and are now teaching civil engineers how to be better civil engineers and how to add or build up some of the skills that perhaps the colleges and universities that they attend don't spend a lot of
1: time on. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, one of the things is you go to school for an engineering degree, you you learn a lot of technical stuff. You learn a lot of calculations. You learn how to design really cool things. But what you don't necessarily learn how to do is interact with people, run projects, speak in public. And these are all things that are absolutely critical to success, really in engineering and and, in all careers. So what I decided in my career was when I had the success, you know, that you spoke about when you introduced me, when I became a partner at a young age because of all these soft skills, I basically decided that I was going to make it kind of my mission, my goal, to help all these younger engineers that come out of school that don't understand you know, that that's important to develop those non-technical skills and to understand what it takes to be a successful engineer, the whole package, not just the technical or the education side of it. So that was kind of something that I wanted to do because I felt that there was such a struggle out there and so many engineers were faced with that challenge, and I thought I had the abilities that I could change that.
2: Well, you know, it's an interesting observation, and it's an interesting reason why you started what you started, because I think what I heard you say, which I believe is true, is a lot of students will come out of school with the technical skills to do whatever it is that they got the degree in. But it's really the soft skills, as you illuminated, that are really the key distinction between being a project manager and being the person who is building a new company or whatever. It will allow you to move from one position to the next position and continue to advance in it. Because after a certain point, once they know that you can do the job, it's really about your ability to be able to pivot and be influential in your position, often through speaking, writing, or even being able to articulate your point that will allow people to get to know you better and see the value that you really bring. I think that one of the things that I think is powerful being married to an engineer is the fact that when we're doing homework, you know, I mean, it's sixth grade homework, but I know how to do the problem, but my husband, because of his engineering and technical skills, can explain to my daughter in multiple different ways how to approach the same problem till she gets it, whereas I've got one approach. If you can't get that one way, I don't really have the skill set to help her figure out another way. And I would think that that would be a really important tool for an engineer, a civil engineer, to be able to articulate, because they're not always working with people who are just engineers and have that kind of background. They've got to be able to articulate, prove their point, and say why this particular road is the road that we need to go on.
1: Yeah, so when you go for an engineering degree, you are not just going for that degree, that piece of paper. You're going through a training. I mean, you're training your mind how to think analytically, how to think about processes, and how to walk people through different processes. And those are invaluable skills that will be manifested throughout your life in all different aspects, whether it's running a home, a household, or, you know, in any position you take in any industry. Personally, I think that my engineering education is just invaluable. valuable. I use it every day in everything that I do, and that's something that I think prospective students have to think about. You're not just becoming an engineer, and you don't even have to do engineering. You're getting something that you're going to be able to lean on for the rest of your life. And, and many people even say that if you go on to get, like, an MBA or a law degree, the combination of the two can be one of the most powerful degree combinations out there.
2: Yeah, I definitely think that that is true. So let's talk about what sorts of problems do civil engineers address and solve? Well,
1: civil engineers, I mean, a couple of things I can give you is, let's say, for example, water quality is a big thing that civil engineers work on. So if there's drinking water has low quality in certain areas, civil engineers are called in to analyze the water and come up with a solution to restore it to better drinking quality. When it rains and we have big flash floods, or, you know, like Irene we had last year, and the whole Katrina, like you mentioned before, when nature unleashes water on us, it has to go somewhere. And that's what civil engineers, they solve that problem. Where do you put all this water? We have to create places and structures for all that water to go. And it's not as easy as just putting a hole in the ground. You have to do a whole bunch of calculations to make sure that it fits there and it goes there and so on. Um, Bridges. You have a bridge. The bridge only lasts for so long, right? So engineers have to be able to evaluate that and then understand when it's time to replace a bridge, and then we have to design all the pieces that go into it. Um, Buildings. When you see buildings being built, architects do some work on the buildings as far as the facade and some of the interior designs, but often the civil engineers design the actual metal steel beams that hold the building up. So we need to figure out how high it's going to be, what kind of loads are going to be on it from the wind, and then do calculations. There's also, we address soil. So if you're going to build a foundation for a building, civil engineers look at the soil and take samples of it and figure out how much load that that soil can actually handle, and they know what kind of foundation for the building to build. Um, Street signs, traffic signs, the timing of traffic lights, There's so many different problems that civil engineers address. I mean, I could give you about 100 more examples. That's how many different things civil engineers do.
2: Well, I think it really kind of illustrates the point that you started with, which is civil engineers are involved in many facets of our lives in in ways that perhaps we weren't conscious of before we had this conversation. You know, I learned that now that I'm back in earthquake country, one of the things that surprised me one time when I was in an earthquake was that the buildings are meant to flex so that they can kind of go through, ride through an earthquake. But imagine my surprise when the building I was in flexed uh, when there was this earthquake going on because it seems to me that engineers or civil engineers aren't just thinking about the circumstances today but all the things that can affect it so they've got to be not just looking at what happened in the past and how in this particular case buildings handled the stress of an earthquake but they also look at you know what size of an earthquake and you know how much might a building shift and all the rest of that sort of stuff so that this building would still be at the end of an earthquake. So that would seem to me to be something that a civil engineer would be involved in. And, again, it's completely unconscious because I did not realize
1: that these huge structures were built to move. Mm -hmm. No, and to add to your point, just to make the civil engineering career even more interesting, is that everything that you said is accurate. And then if you think about that and you think about all the 50 different states we have here in the U.S., is that depending on the climate you're in and the state that you live in, your whole civil engineering, everything changes. Like I have a friend who now works in Alaska as a civil engineer, and what she told me is, you know, when temperatures get to below 50, nothing works the way it's supposed to. So civil engineers have to address a whole bunch of different problems. So it's a very interesting and challenging career because it changes everywhere you go. Got it. That is really interesting, because I
2: really hadn't thought about the fact that really in various different places that you talked about how they're involved in soil and how things run. I mean, here again, back in California, you know, buildings fall off of cliffs because somebody at some point built a house on the edge of a cliff, not seeming to realize that first there's going to be Earth movement that's related to just the earth moving, but there's also, you know, what happens when there's earthquakes and then there's all the torrential rains and how that might change and erode the soil. So there's lots and lots of problems for civil engineers to really kind of address. Yep. So is there any particular career path for civil engineer?
1: Is there an education
2: that all of you have in common?
1: Yeah, there is. And before I give you that path, one thing I want to say as students here are thinking about considering engineering in general is that one, there's something about engineering that a lot of people think that I don't think is totally true. And what that is, is that you don't have to be good at math and science. And I like to say that because a lot of my engineering friends weren't good at one or the other, or some of them even both. And they were discouraged in pursuing engineering, but luckily they pushed through that and they became great engineers. And unfortunately, there's lots of people out there that I talked to that didn't become engineers because somebody told them that. So, you know, I'm going to walk you through the career path now. But to begin the career path, I want all of you students out there to know that if you're thinking, geez, I want to be an engineer, it sounds really great, but I'm not good at math, all these things can be overcome through the process of of the college education. So what you do have to do to become an engineer is you have to go to what's called an ABET accredited school, college or university, and that stands for the Accreditation Board for Engineering and Technology. They're they're the organization that makes sure that the proper courses are taught at that school in order for you to get your engineering license. So that's very important because some people don't know that. They want to be an engineer. They go to a school that's not ABET accredited, and then they have to do some kind of makeup work to make up for that. Once you've completed your education at an ABET accredited undergraduate school, then you can take what's called the Fundamentals of Engineering exam. It's also known as the EIT. It's an eight-hour exam that encompasses all of the different types of science and math associated with engineering, or, or the different disciplines of engineering, I should say. Even though you're civil, you might have to have some questions about electricity or chemical processes. It's kind of a real general exam. So after you take that exam and, and pass the exam, you'll go out there, you'll work as an engineer, and you have to work for four years It varies a little bit state-by-state, but but for the most part, it's four years of practice in industry or three years with a master's degree in engineering. And then you could take the second part of the professional engineering exam, which is called the Principles and Practices of Engineering exam, also known as the PE exam. That's another eight-hour exam, and in that exam, you can specify your discipline, so you'd pick civil engineering. In fact, you'd even pick a specific discipline of civil engineering. And if you can pass that exam then you're considered a licensed professional engineer. And then you can sign and seal design drawings and your value as an engineer, especially as a civil engineer, increases dramatically. So that's more or less the career path that an engineer would follow. Um, It differs a little bit from state to state and from different engineering disciplines, because some engineering disciplines it's not as important to actually have that license as civil engineering. But that's kind of a summary of the process. So you do
2: your undergraduate work, and then after your undergraduate work, there are two tests that you can take in order to be a professional accredited, as well as there's also seems to be experiential. You've got to be in industry working as a civil engineer for four years or up to three years if you have a master's degree. Is
1: that correct? That's correct. Okay. and, And the one thing that I'll say, too, just to kind of clarify is that there's no such thing as a licensed civil engineer. There's okay. only a licensed professional engineer, which means that no matter what you go to school for in engineering, everyone holds the same license. And there's basically an ethical code of conduct that says when you have an engineering license in the United States, you're only permitted to sign and seal drawings or designs that you're knowledgeable about that, what's on the planet. So in other words, you know, I may be a licensed professional engineer with a civil engineering background, Technically, I can sign an electrical engineer in drawing, but it's up to me from the ethical code to say that, you know, I'm not going to do that. It's very important because as a civil engineer, there's a lot of liability. There could be liability involved, too. I mean, you're, you're designing bridges, you know, and these bridges have to be correct. They have to be checked. And obviously, if it's not done right, there could be, you know, catastrophic circumstances. Absolutely. So I like that they
2: have to be licensed, and I like the fact that it's a professional license. And, you know, it's important, I think, and one of the things that is true for a lot of professional license is there's an ethics component of it. While you could sign off on You know, as you said, electrical engineering drawings. you know, the question that you would have to ask yourself is, does it make sense from an ethical standpoint as well as the liability standpoint? And I think those are good questions for a person to ask themselves. So if you had the opportunity to give a young Anthony advice now, given what you know about the industry and the direction, what advice would you basically give yourself?
1: Well... One thing I would say is it's very important that you have a good technical background and that early on in your career and in school you learn all of the technical information you need to know about that industry. But then you have to also be sure to develop all of your soft skills, your interpersonal skills, and become a well-rounded engineer, because that's something that's going to be critical in the future moving forward with the whole, you know, everything that's going on with the infrastructure and globally is that we need well-rounded engineers that can not just design things, but they need to be able to interact with people, run projects, and really they're going to play a huge role in the the future of, of the country and the world. And one other thing that I would tell everyone listening out there is, you know, if someone tells you that you can't do something in your career, you can never listen to them. I've been told that a few times, that I couldn't get my license as young as I did. I couldn't become a partner in a firm as young as I did. And you know, like I said before, another person that I spoke to said you couldn't be an engineer because you weren't good in math. I mean, you can't listen to these people when they. I mean, it's nice to have advice from people once in a while, but if it's going to be someone telling you you can't do it, you just have to try to pursue and persist and get through that. And you could pretty much achieve anything you want in your career.
2: You know, I'm a big believer in that. You know, I mean, when I first started running my own business you know a lot of people were just like well why are you doing that why don't you just get a traditional job and you know, I don't have the traditional job type of mentality, and so I had to keep pursuing and persevering, despite the fact that you know, if you looked at the evidence of how much time I'd put in versus the income that I was making at the time, it just seemed like you know, getting a job was the answer, but the reality is over time, you know at some point, you get the skills and you get in place all the things that you need, and you just proceed in spite of that, you know, I I I don't want to be Pollyanna and say that, you know, I buried my head in the sand, but sometimes you just have to keep going even though the evidence has not yet appeared that all the work that you're doing has started to pay off. Yep, I agree. So you said something in your answer that really kind of spoke to one of my next questions, which was what changes are going on in your industry that a person who is considering the profession needs to be aware of? You talked about the globalization and the fact that it's important that engineers are involved in and interact for their industry that's kind of growing. Can you kind of speak to that a little bit more?
1: Sure. One change that I'll mention... Real quick, just about the career path in civil engineering is that the National Council of Examiners for Engineering and Surveying has recently implemented a rule that as of the year 2020, all engineers will be required to have a master's degree in order to get a professional engineering license in the United States. So that's something that people now considering going to school, that might borderline, that may or may not affect them. It's getting close on the timing. But that's something to keep in mind. The other thing that I was speaking about with regards to globalization is, you know, basically the world's connected today in every way. I mean, with social media and and everything else that we have available to us, there's a lot of engineers that work international. There's a lot of companies that work international projects. So as an engineer, these skills, be able to communicate with people, to be able to think outside the box, get creative, they need all these skills because you never know where you're going to be working or what project you're going to be working on. There's a great organization out there called Engineers Without Borders, and what they do is you can join their association in college and become a student member, and basically what they do is they let you work on third-world country projects. Like For example, you might be designing and overseeing the construction of a water system for a village in Guatemala. And what you'll do is you'll work with the students there. You'll literally do a real design. And then a professional engineer who will kind of be like overseeing the chapter will review all the plans and sign them and seal them. And then a couple of the students will be selected to go to Guatemala and help install the system. So there's a lot of opportunity to get out there and do great things here in the U.S. and overseas. And in order to do that, you need to know more than just be able to do some calculations.
2: And I believe that you've got an interview with the person who runs that organization on your site. Is that correct?
1: That's right. I do have an interview with the – I have a radio show for engineers, and I have um, a lot of the podcasts on the site, and one of them is with the executive director of that organization. She talks about that and how you can get involved at the student level, and I think it's a wonderful organization. In fact, a lot of students that get involved with that – I've talked to them and when they go on job interviews after college, that's one of the things that they talked about most in the interview because they're basically they're using all their engineering skills on these international projects before they even get into the work world. So it gives you an advantage in that way as well. So I
2: will link to that in my show notes so that students and audience members who are interested in listening to Anthony interview, the executive director, can follow the link in the show notes to that interview. So let me ask you, I think you've kind of touched upon it in terms of misconceptions or myths that people have about civil engineering. When you talked about people think that you have to be good with math or with science, you talked about that being a misconception. Yeah. Are there any other misconceptions, or would you like to expand
1: upon that one? Well, I guess another misconception that I can see is that you know, I think sometimes people limit civil engineering to a certain number of small things that they may hear about like oh you're a civil engineer that means you design like bridges and building you know and that's like a small component of what civil engineers do civil engineers can do you know a thousand different things on a day-to-day basis so that's something that you know i don't want students out there to think like well civil engineering is not for me because i'm not really interested in bridges i mean it could be you know stream habitats, you know roadway design i mean it could be even getting involved in the solar power and wind energy and all this stuff. There's so many different things you can do with a civil engineering degree that touch the civil engineering industry that, you know, just don't limit yourself on some of the things that you hear. Make sure that you do your research and you really get out there and look at what they're doing on a day-to-day basis.
2: Yeah, I think that that's really important because one of the things that happens with many of us in our careers is we start on one particular path and then we can expand upon it. And often our degree and our background is much broader than we give it credit if we just looked at, you know, I'm an accountant you know, There's a lot of things that an accountant can do, and very similarly with the civil engineering background, there's lots of other things that you can get involved in. If you're interested in conservation, you could look at it in terms of stream development. You could also do it in terms of building levees. You could also do it in terms of, you know building dams. I mean, there's like a whole wrath of things that you can do beyond the one or two things that you might have been exposed to when you're in school. And I think that that's really something that i like to have students really kind of keep in mind is your career, your career field is probably a lot broader than you would initially think it is, given whatever you've been exposed to when you're in school. Yep, I agree 100%. So let me ask you, why do you think that being a civil engineer is on the list of the top 100 careers?
1: Well, I think that it's on the list because our infrastructure in this company and all over the world is literally deteriorating. I mean, a lot of the structures that have been built were built 100 years ago. So the people that are going to fix these structures and lead up these new projects are civil engineers. I mean, you know, for example, the Tappan Zee Bridge, which is a huge one here on the East Coast. That's a monumental project that's going to be basically led and supervised by civil engineers. I mean, the roadways all over the United States are crumbling because they've reached their lifetime capacity and they need to be, changes need to be made. So we're going to see this constantly over the years to come, and it's going to be the role of civil engineers that's going to be critical in upgrading all of our infrastructure. The president talks about it all the time you know, our infrastructure and new funds for new construction. So I'm confident that that's why it's on the list, because it's a critical profession.
2: You know, it is a critical profession, because I think from an infrastructure standpoint, I mean, if you could just drive around the country, you could see that there are roads that need to be fixed and developed and expanded you know the whole time I was out in the east coast I never could quite understand how you can go from six to eight lanes in northern New Jersey down to uh, what three lanes on the way to Philadelphia that just never made sense to me it's a major intersection and every summer you saw the impact of all those people going down to the shore and congesting the freeway and it not being addressed and I know as as I was starting to make my way out to California that was one of the things that they were really kind of starting to work on is expanding the freeway you know so that there isn't that major congestion that there is now and it, that's just in my neck of the woods but throughout the U.S. there's lots of major projects and lots of bridges and Tunnels and all the rest of that that need to be shored up because, as you said, they were built, you know, call it 150, 100 years ago, and they were never intended for the types of traffic and congestion that is true, and it's only going to get worse it's not going to get better without being fixed. Absolutely, and, and just to
1: add to that, just think about some of the disasters that we've had here. The Gulf oil spill, I mean, a ton of civil engineers, environmental engineers, which are a subset of civil, were sent down to the Gulf for water quality purposes to save the wildlife, et cetera. Then when you had Katrina, you know, a of civil engineers were deployed down there to help keep the water out and build levees, design levees, et cetera. Then you have earthquakes. When earthquakes happen, whether it's in California, civil engineers are immediately deployed to do inspections and find out what happened And Haiti. Tons of engineers from the U.S. were flown to Haiti. You know, and not to mention that there's a whole bunch of disasters that don't happen because of all of the structures and the designs that civil engineers are putting in place today. So that's why civil engineering is so critical in basically all of our lives, really. You know,
2: I completely agree, and I thank you for taking the time to spend talking to me. So tell me about what it is that you're up to now. If people were looking for additional information from you, how would they find you, and what sorts of information would you be able to share with them? Sure. My main website is
1: PowerfulPurpose.com, and that's my website. My company is basically focused on helping engineers develop their careers, And a couple of new projects that I'm working on is, one, I created something called the Institute for Engineering Career Development, which can be found at engineeringcareerdevelopment.com. And basically what this is, it's an online community, training community for engineers, younger engineers, recent graduates. But basically they can start to develop those non-technical skills in their engineering career right away. There's nothing like it out there. We do career coaching for engineers, all kinds of great stuff. So you can check that out. And also, I do have my book, Engineer Your Own Success, that you mentioned, which will help you advance your engineering career. But I'm also working on a second book that might interest some of your listeners, which is going to be called something to the effect of what do engineers do? And basically what I've done is I've put together a list of about 30, at least 30 engineers, all in different disciplines across the United States. And each one of them will be contributing a short story about their career, You know, what they actually do as a civil engineer, all the different kinds of civil, electrical, petroleum engineer, all these different types of engineers. And I'm hoping that this book will, similar to what you're doing here with these podcasts, this book will do the same. When someone's interested in engineering, they can get a book and not just read about it on Wikipedia, but they can understand what these people do. Excellent. And, you know, I
2: think that students who are informed – graduate faster from college, which, you know, will save their parents and themselves an enormous amount of money instead of the floundering around trying to figure out what it is that they want to do. And that's one of the reasons why we do this career series. And I can't wait until you come out with your book and please send me a link to it and we can add that to the show notes and include that if people were looking for additional information. So you've talked about your website, you've talked about, you've got a podcast series on there, you've talked about this new training facility. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us in terms of what you're up to and how people can reach out to you?
1: Yeah, basically it's very easy to get in touch with me. You can either Email me at A, my last name is Fasano, at PowerfulPurpose.com, which you can post up on your notes. Also, you can contact me through the website at PowerfulPurpose.com or get me through, like, LinkedIn, any of the social media sites. I mean, Pretty much what I'm up to now is I pretty much travel around the country on a regular basis and speak to engineers and college engineering students on how to grow and advance as an engineer. And I'll be leaving in a few days to head to Texas for a week to visit a bunch of schools down there, and that's pretty much what I do now, and you can always get in touch with me, and I'd love to answer your questions about engineering.
2: All right. Well, thank you very, very much. To learn more about the college planning process, I invite you to visit our website at College Funding Resource. I also encourage my listeners to keep coming back to listen to more of our Career 100 podcasts. If you appreciate what we're doing here with the Career 100 podcast, I ask that you go and rate us and this podcast in iTunes. At collegefundingresource.com, you'll be able to listen to guests like Anthony, who have valuable information to share about their chosen profession and how you can benefit and learn and perhaps shortcut the road to, in this case, civil engineering. Anthony, I'd like to thank you for joining me today and sharing your background and the education needed to become a civil engineer.
1: it's my pleasure. Thanks, Lisa, for inviting
2: me. All right. And I want to thank all of my listeners for joining us today and hope you will join me again for the next installment of the Career 100 podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast, where we'll continue to interview experts in the top 100 careers for 2011, giving you the insider's view of their chosen profession. If you'd like more information about planning and saving for college, and to instantly download your free copy of College Funding Resources Report, Five Strategies That Parents Need to Start Using Today to Cut Their College Costs Tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Kathy Davis for the Career 100 Podcast.